From the creators of Circles of Faith, this is Slices of Life, a podcast where intentional living and imperfection meet. Join us as we have conversations that help you navigate real faith, real life, and real community in the everyday. I'm Kimberly Amici, and today I'm here with Elise Daly Parker and special guest Kristen Kill. Kristen is a woman transformed by the delight of God, a contributing editor at The Better Mom and co-host of At Home, a popular podcast with Sally Clarkson. She is passionate about encouraging women who feel stretched thin with the truth that even in the tension, God is singing over them with love. After spending the last seven years in the hustle of New York City, Kristen and her husband Josh are learning to go slow as they raise their five kids in the Pacific Northwest. Her days are filled with homeschooling, walking her slightly anxious hound dog, and putting off the cleaning for one more day. Oh, hi. Thank you so much for having me. This is such a treat. Yeah, it's so exciting. It's been a little bit since we've talked, and I just want to um, bring our listeners up to speed and tell them how we met. So, Oh, yeah, do. It's a fun story. Yeah, a few mm-hmm. years back, so two years ago, Elise and I were going to the Winsome Women's Retreat that was hosted mm-hmm. by Kim Highland, and it's in Pennsylvania. You were living in New York City at the time, and we lived just outside New York City. And I think, uh, Elise, you got a phone call from Kimberly saying that um, a writer and blogger in New York City needed a ride. Yeah, that's right. And so we're like, great. Let's, you know, I drove my minivan. We had, um, there was five of us that took a five-hour road trip together. Right. And most of us had never met before. So it was so fun to like, literally not just like, hi, how are you? Nice to meet you. And we have lunch. Like it was five hours there, five hours back. Yeah. It was just, yeah. It was a, it was a bubble, right. It was a bubble Mm -hmm. of getting to know one another. I'm trying to think of who else was there. It was, uh, Leisha Epperson and Mm -hmm. was it Kimberly Coyle as well? No, Mel. We picked up Michelle. Oh, oh, that's right. Mel had flown out from Mel had come from, um, Wherever she is, yeah. Mel, Mel Schroeder. Um, yeah, we picked her up yeah. like halfway or something. Yeah, and we, that's right. That's right. And then um, Shell did not come that, that first time. She came the, the next that's time right. I, when I wasn't in the time. bubble. <laughs> yeah. But it's, yeah. it's Oh, bit, that was fun. And I was yeah. so nervous. Like, oh. I don't know anyone. And it felt like going to college for the first time, you know, <laughs> when you're just like, going to get paired with your roommate that you know you're going to have a friendship with and you've never met before. And then we were, we all just went, I don't know if you all felt this way or if this is normal for you, but we just dove deep in that car ride. Yeah. We We laughed hysterically. We did. We did. We did. We did. It was very, very it was a great trip. Yeah. It was really fun. Yeah. And I almost feel like the podcast was birthed out of it in the sense that at least we just really got to talking about how we, the idea of having real conversations with women Mm -hmm. about topics that matter to us that Mm -hmm. we never really get to on a casual lunch date or a a casual coffee date with, you know, maybe our friends in town. And so we just love the idea of the richness of our conversations. And we said, how could we bring this to other people? And Mm -hmm. that was one of the original, like we we even thought about a podcast (laughs) called like women in a van, like, yeah, women in a van. You know, I think it might be a really great ministry model, like get women together where they can't escape. Yeah. And you're on a highway and you don't have to look at each other because everyone's facing forward. Right. Really the magic true. of the carpool. <clears throat> yeah, it was really fun. 
and we ate, we ate good food. And I remember Kimberly too, you had like stocked your minivan with little snacks for everyone and water bottles in our seats. And I thought, she just loves us. It was so special. (laughs) Although I didn't get chocolate. I got like healthy snacks because I didn't know you guys. And then everyone's like, we need a chocolate break. That's right. (laughs) I do remember that. Oh, that's Awesome. Yeah, that was a great time. I'm so thankful for that. What a sweet, what a sweet thing. Cause I didn't have a car and I didn't even know how to get out of Manhattan. I don't know if I'd ever (laughs) even taken a commuter train to New Jersey before. You all broke me in. Yeah. So it was good. That New Jersey looming away from New York. (laughs) Well, it is. It's funny. We were saying this before we started podcasting today. It's so easy to get there, but you just almost forget how easy it is. Yeah. When you live in New York and you don't have a car and you're walking or mm-hmm. doing subway, you don't remember like, oh, I could just hop on the path train and go see right. my friends and mm-hmm. their sweet houses and tree-lined streets. Mm-hmm. And New Jersey's yeah. the garden state for a reason. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. So I miss that. So that, um, that second year we went to Winsome, you spoke and um, you spoke about Sila. And that's what we're here to talk yeah. about today. I was in the front row and I took a ton of notes, which I, by the way, I have on Evernote. So I pulled them up before we got oh, together because I wanted to remind myself of some of the things you said. But um, you, you spoke about, me. yeah, you spoke about tensions and longing and how God's answer to that is Sila. And so yeah. I would love to hear, like, how did you start on this journey with Sila? Well, with with sort of that idea of mm-hmm. Sila. So Sila is that word in the Psalms that you probably all recognize from. It also in some translations is um, translated as interlude. So you have this word and it's, it's right in the middle of a lot of really visceral prayers uh, um, where psalmists are crying out to the Lord and then you see this word Sila and then there's more Psalms. Um, but typically, oh, it, typically I kept finding it in these prayers that were at the time giving me some form to my own prayer life. I had really bad postpartum depression after my first daughter, and um, I felt really numb. I felt really like, how do I even communicate my heart anymore to the Lord? Like everything, I, I don't know if if you have ever delved into that idea of postpartum depression, especially on your program before, but, um, it's just this odd sense of you're holding this baby that you just adore and love and you can't get enough of. And at the same time, you just want to cry all the time. You feel like you aren't sure, um, how to find your voice again, how to be authentic. You kind of are a little listless. And so in my own prayer life, I found that to be such a challenge. Like, God, I'm carrying these deep waters, things that I can't even name. How do I bring these to you? How does, what does this even look like? And I really found some solace in reading the Psalms as prayer. They gave my prayer some prayers, some form. They sort of taught me how to pray in the sense that all of these emotions are there, this praise, this heartache, fears, anxieties. And I was shocked really by, um, I guess even the vulnerability that some of these psalmists had before the Lord. I think up until that point in my life, I'd I'd been a little bit tidy in my prayer life, um, you know, sort of wanting to 
um, be a good girl a little bit before God and before other people. And I felt like I was just being undone in this season. So as I was praying the Psalms and learning how to have big emotions, um, and have words for them that I could bring to the Lord, this word just kept popping up and I kept going, what is this? This is so interesting. And everything about it, when you look at, you know, it's this, um, it's typically a musical term. It's thought to be a rest, Mm -hmm. um, like a musical rest. And I started to realize that as I was reading it, there was almost like this little break in this real like emotional dump before the Lord. There would be this little break in the music of the you know, the music of the psalm, the poetry, and then there would be oftentimes a shift in the psalmist, this idea Mm -hmm. that, I mean, you, you know, you read the patterns of psalms and it's this lament or these cries, and then there's a sila, and then as they go back and continue to cry out to the Lord, it switches to praise. There's this pattern, Mm -hmm. the way that they come before God. And I thought, I know this is this musical analogy, but Every word is God-breathed. Every word in Scripture matters. What is God talking to me about here? And I started to wonder, what does it look like to have pause, to have stillness, to cease, to um, experience true rest that would transform the deep emotions I was feeling, the deep longings that I had, the fears I held, and, and change a lament into praise? And so it sort of started me on this journey to think about rest and um, using that word as a springboard to think about what does it look like to have rest and poise of heart that transforms my whole posture before God Mm -hmm. from this chaotic sense of how I felt to almost like not sure how to talk to him, learning how to talk to him vulnerably and ultimately praising him and being able to have a revived confidence. And so mm. that's, that's really where it all began to realize there's, there's this tension between, um, you know, all the things that we carry and bringing it all at his feet to him, cutting into the music, cutting into those difficult things that we're experiencing mm-hmm. in our lives, not only in our prayer life, but in our everyday life. And so it sort of set me on, set me on a journey kind of to experience, experience rest and see Jesus as rest in my life and in the middle of all those things. So, Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's really how it began. Is that, do you want me to keep talking? Oh my gosh. I, I, I just want to say that I find this so moving because it just sounds like God was showing you such a beautiful, um, you know, object lesson in a way as you were, as you were in this right. place of such pain. Um, and then the, 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 stopping and then how do we turn that around and, and just the relationship between you and the Lord becoming, it sounds like so much more authentic and so much more vulnerable right. and so and much I more real. It, right. And it frees me up to have authentic relationships with other people because mm. I was really good at posturing and posing being, you know, the good girl and Mm -hmm. kind of feeling like I have to present myself as being, you know, like I have it all together and I have Jesus and I'm full of joy. And yes, those, that Mm -hmm. is true, but I was afraid to be authentic, um, before God and others. So I was pretty locked up. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I think that you're not alone, you know, especially, um, young Christian women who are Mm -hmm. dealing with a lot of, um, 
first of all, just the change that we go through having children, I think that is minimized. Um, I think we just kind of yes. go from from non-mom to mom, and we're just supposed to love that and be so blessed. And there are some there's some truth to that, absolutely. Children are a blessing. But there's also the other side of it. Some is serious depression, and some is just like, oh, wow, I'm not loving this as much as I thought I was going to, not feeling as filled by this as I thought I would. So right. um, I, I just love that shift for you in the authenticity. I, I, um, I think it's kind of the idea that at some point, if we don't know this going in, which I certainly didn't, I was always afraid to be that real with God up, you know, up until a yeah. certain, probably around 30, um, to show how angry I was with him yeah. sometimes, uh-huh. or just with the way the world had worked out for me or my, my story, whatever. And yeah. it was uh, a whole new world when I realized, and I remember my stepmother telling me, it's okay, you can be angry with God, he can... He can handle your anger. And, um, and that's, yeah. And that's That's just one emotion, right? It is. That's so amazing that you said that because in this book, so I guess we're going to talk about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we are. Tell us, tell us. But in the book, there's a whole chapter that I talk about anger specifically, because Mm -hmm. I think that when you're locked up in any way, whatever is festering in you is, I mean, it it comes out no matter, you have to decide, am I going to let this come out before God where Mm -hmm. it's safe and where he has asked me to lay this down? Or is it going to seep out to my family? Is it going to seep out in other areas? But I studied anger specifically because Mm -hmm. I think that's something that I dealt with. And it was incredible, Elise. Like it actually, did you know that if you are angry for five minutes, it shuts down your immune system for six hours? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It's incredible. I, I better be careful. Like the, this, oh I know that's what I thought. I was like, no wonder <laughs> I have so many physical things going on. Mm. Um, it actually shuts down your body and your ability to fight illness. And it's interesting too, that what happens when you're angry is, well, even in your stomach, like as you're hot, as you're, um, there's this whole process. I have to reference the research to be, I, to actually know what I'm talking about, but there's sort of this whole process of soft tissue and, and more cirrated tissue in our body. And that the softness is actually leaving your, your energy and your body, your blood is actually being moved into harder areas where it's difficult versus the softness. Like we think about you know, staying soft and being a mom that kids can cuddle and you're literally shunting blood, diverting it into these hard, tense areas. Um, Like there's so many physical things that come over you. It's ridiculous. Well, so recently, Elise, you know this, um, I've been having a lot of back pain. And so I started going to a chiropractor and, you know, you know, there's this little things, but, you know, nothing that should be giving me the pain that I was in. And, uh-huh. um, I came back from our most recent vacation and I'm like, my back hurt every day. I don't know what's wrong. He's like, your spine is an amazing shape. He's like, what I want you to do is I want you to re- write a list of every single thing that you're angry about. He goes, because holding the on to anger. Yes. That? Yes. Wow. What a wise and I man. have a three page list and I have to tell you, I am working <laughs> through it in Get my out. time. I'm not, cause like once you're like, what am I angry about? Because like you said, Elise, like, then you're like, yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't know if I've been posturing per se, but I've learned not to take my anger out on my family and on my children. And so I will, um, 
I guess, stuff it. Like, I don't think of myself as an angry person, but when things upset me, what am I doing with them? Like, you know, am I taking them to God or am I just going, oh, yes, okay, I'm going to be slow to anger, but not doing anything with the anger. But I'm going to put it off to the side and just not do it for a while. Yeah, exactly. I call call that whack-a-mole when we think that (laughs) we... Oh, I love it. And it just keeps popping up. And one of the things, you know, I have a a beloved counselor who I go to, and one of the things she said to me the other day, because I was talking about my anger that seems to have resurfaced um, in a really bad way that I'm really not happy about. But she said, you know, Elise, it's like you're, you're, you're in that denial about how you respond to things. And when you've been hurt, you either, most people either respond with anger or sadness. Your default is anger. (laughs) So like you have to remember that that is part of what you're doing. So, um, and I, and I, you know what, honestly, I haven't gone Kristen to the Lord the way I need to be, you know? I just don't know if we even recognize um, I don't know if we even recognize how we have the ability to talk to him so vulnerably mm-hmm. and get into patterns of communication or prayer, like with everyone. And it's a way to be, we need those disruptions. We need the things that shake us up, um, that cause us to go, Whoa, this is a giant red flag. I need to change course here. Mm-hmm. And so um, so in a lot of ways, it's, it's interesting. I had a friend who, who spoke to me about this in my own life. I, one of the tensions that I personally carry is, um, a medical issue that causes my muscles and to flare and like twitch kind of, I wish I could explain it to your podcast listeners, but I had a really severe strep infection as a kid and it went into my brainstem, like rheumatic fever goes into the heart, you know, Mm -hmm, from strep. mm -hmm, And mm so it's like that, but affected my brain. So it affects my nervous system. And so I have at times thought, oh, this is just so grueling. It can be painful. I have to have really great self-care. But um, I started to think about these little pricks like staccatos. And if you think about music, And you think about those like sonatas or the legato rhythm, you know, if anyone's taken music classes, that means that it's like this slow sort of like nothing's disrupted, still waters kind of music. And then you have those staccatos, which are the sharp notes. That's what I felt like was happening in my body. And I think that's sort of they're disruptive and they shake things up. But ultimately, they bring joy to the music. They liven it to have it be um, something that you want to hear that brings joy and brings a smile to your face. And I think if we start thinking about disruptions in our lives or the things that get us mm-hmm. out of our normal rhythm, not as things that we have to escape from, but ultimately things that when we are able to shift our mindset and shift our perspective to let them be become agents of joy in our lives, like to allow God to use them that way can be Mm -hmm. just such a shift. So a lot of what I think Sila has meant to me has been sort of, what is it, what does it look like to have God meet us in that space, to take all these things and change our whole perspective about the way that we approach him, the, the rhythms that we get stuck in, the disruptions that we think are anything but rest, but mm-hmm. that ultimately bring rest because they require us to come face to face with, mm-hmm. with God in a new, more authentic way. Mm-hmm. Love it. So awesome. yeah, I get, I get stuck in 
in just, I don't want to say dishonest, but just inauthentic prayer as well. Like, not that you're saying it's inauthentic. No, no, no. It's okay. Like getting to that place where it's just hard. It's hard. Well, it's a sense of, I think it's a sense of um, probably protecting ourselves, um, probably protecting ourselves and thinking, I don't know, it's, it's kind of an unwillingness to go there. I think that is part of yeah. what it is. It's kind of like, well, I'm feeling bad. I know I'm feeling bad. I don't know what else I'm supposed to do about this. I'm doing the best I can. Lord, you know, I'll do my devos. But am I really saying, okay, this mm-hmm. is where I am, Lord, doing the lamenting. Mm-hmm. And now, Lord, I just really want to want to sit here for a minute. And I, the truth is that when we really come to the Lord authentically, I always feel like, well, he always knows when I'm being authentic and when I'm not. Mm-hmm. Even right. like, I'll use my weight as an example. When I am, am trying to be healthier, and the struggle for me is very real. It's really been a life, lifelong struggle so far, but so far so good in the past year. But anyway, when I come to him with that, I really feel like it's he knows the difference between when I really surrender it to him and when I don't. I mean, I, maybe this is very obvious, but when I really surrender to him, he really does make this shift in me that I yeah. can't make. And so it seems to me you're describing a a similar sort of pattern, only a little bit more um, obviously. Or abstract. (laughs) Well, yeah, no, I don't know. You've named it in such a way that I can kind of relate to it. I think um, one of the big things, too, is that we don't always know what to say to God. Like we're we're sometimes you want to be authentic. You want and and you are being authentic, but we don't know how to name it or what, you know. It's just, it's hard because you want to, um, you want to be able to share honestly with God, but sometimes we don't even know what that, what is honest. Yeah. And like you said, the Psalms do give words to that. Um, I find it really helpful to journal. It's ridiculous how crazy those psalmists were. Yeah. Like they really (laughs) were at death's door and crying out and you're like, oh, my problems don't seem. Yes. (laughs) As crazy, or at least that there's there's a there's words for mm-hmm. for the lament. Do you find you find what you want to say in journaling? Is that what you were about to say? I do. If I were to like sit down and take whatever emotions that I have when I immediately wake up and just pour them out and just write them out, there's a little bit more freedom, and I I will tend to write yeah. more in my notebook about what I'm hurt about, angry about, sad about than I will if I'm sitting down and voicing a prayer to Him because again, I want my prayers to be these wonderful, beautiful, wholesome things, <laughs> and I think <clears throat> I I do see a correlation between my ability to be vulnerable with my spouse and God and other people, they're all really tied together. And so what I've been praying lately is Lord, help me to become more vulnerable with you, become more vulnerable with my husband. And because there is a tendency to want to protect, there's a tendency to want to, um, be agreeable, you know, Mm -hmm. to, um, that's exactly what I found about myself. It was being agreeable. So like, so it wasn't an inauthentic, I wasn't being inauthentic with the Lord, but I didn't know what to say to him. It was mm-hmm. like, um, well, this is, this is where I'm at. And I didn't have words to be able to plumb what was buried mm-hmm. and the anger that was hiding or mm-hmm. the fears that were hiding. And so, um, because I was so, I was so caught up in almost just wanting to placate everybody, make everybody happy, mm-hmm. not rock the boat, mm-hmm. not rock the boat even to the Lord. Isn't that mm-hmm. silly? Yeah. 
So yeah, but I don't I, think you're, it may be silly, but I don't think you're alone. I think yeah. when we're people pleasers and placaters, um, our role, we, I think we take our role very seriously. This is my role. My role is to make peace. My role is to mediate. My role is to make things nice. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so to get all messy and ugly with God or anybody else is something mm-hmm. that we're probably trying to not do. Right. Um, and yet, as you're saying, Kimberly, it, it, it causes us not to be vulnerable either. And mm-hmm. that's a really, that's the negative. That's the downside. Cause that, Ends right. up leaving us stuck or closed up or whatever the, the feeling may be, but it's not good. <laughs> but we're also right. told to be content, you know, so you yes. think, oh, if I'm like complaining about my first world problems, um, I must not be content. Right. right. You know what I mean? And especially if you're a good Christian woman, that's the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, I loved what you said, Elise, too, because as you were just describing a people pleaser or someone, the role that you just listed out is a serious and very necessary role. Like Mm -hmm. our families need peacemakers. They need mediators. Our communities do, our friends do, our churches do. Those are what you described being a safe place for people to be able to create loveliness for them. That is so valuable. Mm -hmm. And so, but it's understanding like the other side of it. Like yeah. what, if that is what God has put in us and created us to do, there's a flip side of a weakness that we need to be careful that we're being sure to take to him exactly. so that we can be filled up by him to be able to do those things in the power of the Holy right. Spirit instead mm-hmm. of our own strength. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Because yeah, because I I do take that really that role seriously. I want to mm-hmm. be a peacemaker. Mm-hmm. And I I I don't I don't want to necessarily please other people at the, at the, um, the expense of, you know, my own healthy boundaries anymore, but I sure do care about, um, making people comfortable and, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's, it's hard to remember that, oh, I need my people that are safe to get messy with. And it's, and God is the first Mm -hmm. person me to get messy with him. Mm -hmm. And I think it just took me a long time to realize that he wanted that from me. That he desired for me to be a hot mess before him and <laughs> and delighted in it. I think that's that's what I mean by being a woman that is transformed by the delight of God, that it's not conditional on the way that I am a delightful good girl before him, but that inherently he delights in me and he yes. wants me. I mean, if you think about I am one of the one of the lucky ones that has a really amazing earthly father and I see my own husband being such a great father to our kids and I think when our kids are just phoning it in with Josh and not really sharing what's really deep on their hearts, it breaks his heart. Mm-hmm. He wants to know what is really going on. How are you really doing? Open up to me and my dad is very similar and um and I think, gosh, that is a reflection of our Heavenly Father in these men that are in my life. That if I am just like, no, I'm good. Thanks. Then he's broken mm-hmm. for me not mm-hmm. pouring out who I, how I really am to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he wants to be our daddy in those moments. And he and we get to run to him. You know? Yes. I'm thinking, um, you know, so many times 
when I've been kind of saying, you know, Lord, where are you? And, and what do you want from me? And what do you want me to do? You know, even, even in simple things like, well, not simple things, but even in ministry or as a parent and the Lord almost inevitably answers me, come to me. Mm-hmm. Like that's it. Just come to me, come yeah. to me first, just as we're instructed, you know, seek him first. And, um, and I think it's like, okay, stop running, stop doing, and just sit here for a minute. I'm, I'm yeah. here, I'm here for you, and I want to help you, but you have yeah. to come. Mm-hmm. And um, well, I thought it was, it's really interesting to me because you know the verse that says, "Be still and know that I am God." Mm-hmm. It's be still with a promise. It's not be still and deal with yourself. Be still and take a breath and take a beat and calm down. It's be still and know that I am God. There's a promise. So when we enter into rest and stillness and we are yielding, then we know he is God. It's a, it's, he doesn't leave us in our stillness. Mm -hmm. He doesn't leave us in an expanse of quiet and silence that is frightening and alone, which is what I feared. Um, even just as a new mom, like my life getting, getting so small and being kind of isolated at home. Um, for me in that season, I was home. Um, it was, it was like, everything's small and so quiet and I'm so alone. And, Mm. and in the stillness that God invites us into is where we know him and where we find him. And that Mm. is, that is something he's proclaimed will happen, which is really quite amazing. Mm -hmm. It is. Because I sort of used to think of it like a timeout, I think. (laughs) And it's interesting, too, because that changes the way I parent. This is a total tangent away from this idea of Sila. But when I think about the way that God invites me to be still, to know him, to transform my heart, when I want to have restoration with one of my children, so I say, you need a timeout, am I sending them to isolation? Or am I sending them to restoration with me? Mm. So oftentimes be still means I'm going to come with you and make space to invite you into restoration and relationship with me, not to be isolated and punished, but to be still to be able to reorient your heart and restore Mm restore our relationship. Oh, I can totally relate to that. Everything. Yeah. I've done that with my son a few times when he has problems controlling himself and he's getting worked up and his emotions are getting the best of him. I say, you need to go sit down for a little bit while, a little while. And I explained to him, this is not a timeout. You were not in trouble, but you need to go upstairs. You can get out your journal, you can pray, but you need to reorient yourself. That's right. Yeah. So I can totally relate to that example. When we had a big house before we moved to New York, and I should do this here. I don't know. I'm glad we're talking about this because it hasn't occurred to me. We used Mm. to have little chair and table and a little sign that said the peace place. And it was, um, it had little books and it had a little Mm. candle. And I guess, I don't know. It could have a, now we could do an LED light. So it'd be safe. (laughs) It was really great. It had some little books there, like a little notepad and some coloring stuff. And so if I saw a child that was on the verge of ready to, you know, kind of fall apart or just Mm -hmm. that they could go there. And there were little note cards with like verses they could read. And I think just offering a space that they know is designated as this Mm -hmm. is a quiet place for you to have peace. When other kids would know that they were in that little area, they weren't to be disturbed, you know, Mm -hmm. because our kids have always shared rooms. So it's a little different than go to your room and have a Mm -hmm. 
quiet place. So I, I loved that it was by a window. It was really sweet. And mm. I think that, um, when we, when we do take beat, we need to start not seeing it as punishment. We need to see it as this mm. is a place to reorient and be in, you're being invited in by mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. getting to take a break, yeah. you know? Um, and that's really the heart of all of our discipleship and discipline with our children, right? Not to say you're punished and go be alone. You're bad. Yeah. Room and isolated, which is kind of always what I thought being alone was like, yes. Oh, oh, I'm an extrovert. So that's the whole thing. But, Mm -hmm. but I mean, I do like to be alone now and I joke that I might be an introvert, but I think it's just because I have five kids. Yeah. I want to be alone sometimes. Oh, I, I never liked like, quiet until I had kids. And then I'm like, oh, yeah. like there's a contrast all of a sudden. <laughs> alone. Yeah, it's funny. But yeah. um, but I think that, that we have that idea that to be still means that even in our culture. So here's the whole other side of rest that I sort of plumb in this whole idea of Sila and that I've thought and written about in the last year is look at the way we organize our work week or the way that we all want to escape from our lives. So the way that we even think about rest in a positive way is totally a departure from everything that we normally do. Like, oh, I hate working. I can't wait till the weekend. Or, oh, I, we're finally getting to go on vacation. It's always set apart, which is necessary, but to have it, to never have that be like worked into the dough of the rest of our lives, mm-hmm. it's really hard. It's just always, it's always a departure. So, and it's always isolated from oftentimes community or um, anything that's active and restorative. And so, um, yeah, I think it's just sort of all these ideas of, okay, if if a Sela rest that we're looking at in music is right there in the middle of all of this sort of emotional dumping and praise before the Lord, what does that look like if I were to take this pattern of a psalm and make my life a psalm where rest cuts in to the crazy emotion to the mm-hmm. circumstances, the circumstances of the psalmists don't switch within, you know, the, the course of a verse, mm-hmm. but their hearts completely change and yeah, are trans- that's right. What does it look yeah. like then to have a rest that is perpetual, that is happening, you know, inside of us all the time. And so I really think it's a, that rest and Sila become words that I like to just talk about as you know, rest as a person, like our ultimate rest is in Christ. So as mm-hmm. we carry him in our hearts and, and are in prayer constantly with him, we're able to have a whole change in the midst of whatever feels chaotic, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, we're doing. So there's this demarcation of rest that must happen. That is a yielding and a stilling of our physical bodies and mm-hmm. our, in our mental state. But there's also a rest that becomes transformative in everything that we do, that mm-hmm. we have a rest all the time. And I guess peace really all yeah. the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. when, when you Thanks. kind of embraced this concept and started living differently and in this way, what were some of the changes that you saw in your life and in your mm-hmm. heart and, and what happened? Oh gosh. <clears throat> so it sort of all really got real when, I mean, I'd sort of been exploring this idea and just, just tucked it away as, an object lesson, like from the Lord. And then we moved to New York city, which as you all know, living right outside of New York and you guys are in your husband's both work in the city, right? You guys are in the city all the time. Um, no, no, my, husband, not. my husband, my husband works in, in our area. Oh, he does. Yeah, my husband so, does. But 
so you guys are really just right there. I mean, you can see from mm-hmm. where you are. Mm-hmm. When you're in New York City, it's funny that I say the city, and I think people would know what that is, even on the West Coast. My whole life is formed by New York. It's so funny. But it's just perpetual motion, right? Mm -hmm. There's not... We're, I'm from the West and I live back in the Pacific Northwest now. And it's, there is just this expanse of margin and land and you can drive for miles and be in pasture by the ocean or in the mountains. And in New York, it is perpetual movement all around you, people all around you, as I'm sure all your listeners can imagine. And so what happened is the stakes really got heightened. I had four or I had four children when we moved to New York. So this had been something on my mind for several years and really was an object lesson. And I think God just revived it in me when we moved to New York City. And it was constant overwhelm all the time, Mm -hmm. just the stimulus. And, And he said, even if you're experiencing just the pressure cooker of New York City life as a family, is my word not true here? Like, is rest Mm -hmm. not something for you to partake in in the midst of this too? And so um, I think it just became like, gosh, God is rest. What does this look like to embrace him when my whole circumstances shift, when it's not easy for me to ever be alone because we live in a 1,200 square foot apartment and I have four kids and we just are on the go all the time. And as you know, like, you know, it's subway trains and commuting and loud noises. And, um, and so for me, it looked like, how do I experience, um, moments of rest that are restorative in the midst of a lot of chaos. And so I started looking at a little bit of the other interpretation of that word, which is interlude, which, you know, an interlude is like a diversion or, um, something that, um, you know, sort of distracts you or in, in music, it would be just sort of a fun little melody that maybe that would carry off and then come back to the chorus. And so I started looking at things that would fill up my life in a way that would be delightful and fun and would remind me of who God is and remind me of all the sweet things that he's given us, like kingdom come on earth. What are all the signs and of beauty and interlude that, that, He's just placed before us to enjoy. And so I started to take time just to be sustainable in in finding some of those things. And so for me, um, a lot of it was running, like taking time and running on the Jackie Onassis Reservoir in Central Park. Or um, I really love getting to sort of gaze at art. So I would take dates even for an hour to go just sit in certain galleries or... Mm. um, I found too, I loved and felt so restored, like cooking for my family, reading certain books, making sure to go have coffee with a friend, to laugh together, to remind each other of biblical truth, um, lighting candles every night on our terrace, or now we do, when we always light candles in the evening on our kitchen table. There were just little things that were like glimpses of grace and glimpses of beauty that I found Um, to be kind of transcendent and to be important into reminding me of the beauty and delight of God in our midst all the time. And I think it sort of 
probably ties in with what you were just talking about, Kimberly, of having, well, before we started recording about, like, how do you have a sustainable summer? How do you, how do you handle new rhythms? Like there's, so I think God gives us such agency to figure out our own individual puzzle. Really, like the thing that's kept me from physical fitness forever is that I feel like I'm taking an hour away from my family every day. You have to leave the dishes in the sink. You have to leave somebody maybe in tears with your husband because they can't find a particular toy. You have to leave mm-hmm. like the dog a mess needing a bath. There's mm-hmm. so there's always <laughs> something there will always be something. And so you have to decide intentionally, I'm going to yield all things and I'm going to pause and do something that allows my own heart to be able to be at rest. And I think what happens then as we're yielding those things is that trust builds, like the mm-hmm. pattern of learning True. how to yield is oh, okay, I can trust God that this is all going to be done. Like when you live in a scarcity mindset, you think that um, all the resources are are going to be taken if you don't go run and get yours, you know, and that if you stop moving, if you stop working, that an opportunity will pass you by or something that you may need for future work or future ministry will be gone if you don't just keep after it all. So it's really hard to learn to yield when you understand God's economy doesn't work like that. It's it's multiplying, it's numerous, it's, it just is never ending and bottomless. It lets us yield our own time, our own resources to him because we ultimately are trusting him in those things. So to be able to step away, I think for a lot of us, we feel like means that we're being irresponsible. We're really, what we're doing is replacing our trust appropriately with God Mm. instead of ourselves. And it's just, but it's really countercultural, and it's really hard. All right. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. Would you just um, tell us really quickly about your book? Remind us what it's called, sure. when it's coming out. Yes. Okay. So the book is called Finding Sila, um, The Simple Practice of Peace When You Need It Most. Mm-hmm. And it's coming out January 9th. So we've got a little time okay. um, and it's really kind of about all these things that we've been talking about today, kind of, um, my own journey of just sort of learning how to pray, seeing what prayers looked like in the history of the church and, um, the way that, um, it can cool. shape our hearts and lament before the Lord and the way that God kind of opened me up to be able to experience rest in the everyday and really just hope that anyone else who is feeling like their lives are chaotic or out of off kilter or maybe where they're like me, where they just started out or have gone through something that is created like a numbness in their own words before God. They aren't sure how to start communicating with him. We'll find a piece of their own story there and a path Mm -hmm. forward to be able Mm -hmm. to kind of have rest be woven into their day, but ultimately that they would, they would be able to come and read and, and discover, um, the rest that God is as a person in their lives. Mm, Um, But it's sort of a memoir and it's sort of a lot of scripture all tossed in. It's memoir-esque, but, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, yeah, just the journey has been a long one for me. I'm a slow learner. (laughs) (laughs) So it ties in lots of seasons of our lives with a lot of these ideas. I look forward to it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Well, I can't wait to 
have a copy to pop and mail to you all. I think it's, I think maybe by the summer, by a little bit later on in the summer, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll have have those ready. Oh, so so exciting. I, yeah. So surreal. It's crazy. This is my first book, and you all have known me for a long time, mm-hmm. but it it's really weird to write a book, you guys. Like, it's yeah. so, <laughs> so fun, but it's also like, oh, people are going to be reading this and holding this in their hands. And, yeah, it's pretty wild. Uh, it's so weird. Yeah, it's really, really fun, and I, I just feel honored to have gotten to do it and to be able to share mm-hmm. our story and what God's done in our lives. Uh, so, I'm excited about it. Thanks. Could you just tell our listeners where to find you too? Oh, sure. Okay. So you can find me at kristenkill.com, which is K-R-I-S-T-E-N-K-I-L-L.com. Like my last name is Kill, like murder. I always say that (laughs) because people think it's a hill and, you know, not sure. They're afraid to spell it correctly. Right. Josh has actually gotten admitted into the hospital under a false name because they didn't know it was Kill. They thought it was Hill. It was really funny. With different medical records and everything, it was pretty funny. Oh, no. Um, anyway, KristenKill.com. And then um, on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, it's all the same. All my name. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Right. And I love Instagram. That's kind of where the party's at. I don't... I don't do other social media very well. I'm trying to get better. but mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Well, I hope our listeners take a moment to go check out your website and your podcast at home. Oh, yes. All the links to the podcast are on the website, too. Okay. So you can mm-hmm. see them there. Perfect. Good. Thank you so much for having me. I love you guys. It was really fun to talk with you today. Oh, it was fantastic. Awesome to talk to you. It was such a pleasure to have Kristen on the show today. I hope you guys take a moment to go check out our website and our podcast and be sure to look for her upcoming book, Finding Sila. This is the end of the podcast, but not the end of our conversation. Join us in the month of August for Summer Slices to hear the rest of our discussion where we talk about giving ourselves permission to rest and participate in the things that refresh us and how it can ultimately point us to Christ. We also touch on the ups and downs of Sabbath and why it's hard for some people to take a vacation. Don't forget to share this podcast with someone you think will love it. You can find everything we talked about today in the show notes. You can also subscribe to our newsletter at circlesoffaith.org to receive additional content and resources delivered right to your inbox. You can find us on social media as Circles of Faith. Subscribe to us in iTunes so you'll never miss an episode. And while you're there, rate and review the show. Your comments go a long way in helping others find us.